Frontier. These are the voyages of of two. We're just naked. We're just super naked right now, huh, Missy? We are all born naked, and the rest is Star Trek. I'm Star Trek. so excited to talk about this episode. It is a delight. Uh, anything that just involves inherently um, people that we know are normally straight laced uh acting like they're inebriated perfection love it i'm i am here for it utter perfection and that is that is this whole episode this is a this is the naked time the fourth episode uh aired of the original star trek and it is one of the most beloved episodes of Star Trek by the fan base, by the cast and crew. It is an oft-mentioned, much beloved, uh, much taken upon by, you know, future Star Trek iterations. Oh. Um, yeah. So this is quite the episode. Um Hang on, I'm getting a little bit of echo from me. Okay. Go forward. Um, so, Missy, before we get started, tell me, what are your first impressions of The Naked Time? I can tell why this would be a fan favorite. We get a lot of great acting all across the board, from our regulars to our interlopers. It really is a lot of fun with the tension of it. Of course, it is a disease of the week episode where we have something that's spreading and so we have to contain it but who's going to catch it whatnot and the symptoms of this is so utterly hilarious that i i cannot wait to to dive into it but this one i'm going to answer a question we normally do at the end which is where does we slot this or Ooh. where do we slot this i'm slotting this number one right now of the ones we've watched so far this has been my favorite yes. i'm very excited i absolutely agree um, this is definitely my favorite of this first batch. Um, it was submitted to possibly be an intro episode, a pilot episode. Um, but they decided against it. I don't know why. I'm glad they didn't because, um, mm -hmm. we had a little bit more time to meet the characters before they started acting, you know, uh, untoward themselves. And especially Spock, because we get the buildup of his emotions. So to see Spock, like, oh... Oh my God, him getting wrecked was just, Ugh. oh, that's great. What a turn in it. Oh yeah. And there is some great stuff about how that came to be. Uh, so I'm I'm so excited to jump in. Let's Missy. do it. We're going to start with, as we always do, with our cold open and get all the way through this episode. 
Captain Emily guide me. Oh, oh, I will. So this, uh, this episode, it was written by John D.F. Black and directed by Mark Daniels, the person who directed the pilot, um, or the second pilot and many episodes of Star Trek. Um, according to one of the producers, Robert Justman, uh, Black, who was the story editor, spent so much time on this episode that he neglected his story editor duties. Um, and then Gene Roddenberry just rewrote it. He just oh, rewrote a so bunch funny. of parts. Didn't ask Black, didn't, nothing. Just Gene Roddenberry his way through. <laughs> that is a recurring theme I've noticed with some of our episodes. Gene just likes yep. to take a nice stab, uh, one or two, uh, with his uh, his written rapier uh, yes. and goes <laughs> right through the, the script. Yes. Um, this episode, it was originally intended to be a two-parter. Oh. Um, which... We, we you can kind of see at the end uh, when some like stuff just comes out of left field. Yeah, the space um, time warp stuff all of a sudden yes. gets introduced. Spoiler alert! Exactly. Uh, they revised that ending to make it a standalone, and they also revised the second of the two parter to make it a standalone episode. Um, yes. And it's a very, yeah, it'll be the 19th episode where we're going to see what was supposed to happen directly after they do the time warp for the first time. Oh, boy. This is also the only episode of the original series where we get to see all principal female characters, all three of them. Yes, and they got some action, too. Yes, they absolutely did. We see Lieutenant... Uhura, Yeoman Rand, and the debut of Nurse Christine Chapel, Majel Barrett, who was a who played a first officer in the original pilot, The Cage, mm-hmm. um, and was in a relationship with Gene Ronberry. Yes, in fact, um, the episode ended on the version that I watched with a in memory of uh, Ma- uh, what can I say her name? Majel? Majel Barrett. Mm-hmm. Majel Barrett Roddenberry is what they yes. um, called her. So I realized, oh, it must be his his wife, either at the yes. time or, or later. Later. So they, uh, he was a philanderer. He had a wife. And while having a wife, he cheated on that wife with Majel Barrett and uh, 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 Nichelle Nichols. Um ended up in just a relationship with Majel Barrett and eventually they got married, uh, which seemed like a much better fit for both of them uh, than Roddenberry's previous relationship where he was just cheating. <laughs> Whereas I'm, like Majel's he, like, yeah, of course, like humans fuck all the time. Like that's what I am also into. And so this works. Yeah. It's, you know, if you're at the point where you're, breaking the commitment to your first marriage you're probably like already one foot out the door anyways so yep. the uh, the match uh was the matchmaking was bound to to happen oh yes oh yes um major barrett is in also uh the next generation oh. she plays an entirely different character um and yeah it's it's pretty exciting so we get to see her all over the place but this is the first time we get to see her as Nurse Chapel. Mm-hmm. 
So let's get to this freezing cold open. Yes. Do you, I was so happy when I saw we were on an ice planet to begin with because mm-hmm. it was an antithesis to all these desert planets we've been in. I've been pining yes. for different environments and I got it. Yes. So we are orbiting Psi 2000. PSY 2000. I just, it's such a good name for a planet, huh? You know, it just give it a, a Greek letter and uh, some numbers and you're all, you're all good. Uh. Their goal, they need to pick up some scientists who have been studying this planet, and then they're going to watch as the planet disintegrates. It is falling apart, and they need that that scientific research. They crave it. I like to imagine that the part where they watch the planet disintegrate is not so much for scientific knowledge as it is of for them just to have like it's like when you're watching fireworks you know they're yeah. just like oh this is a chance for us to watch because like i don't know what they're going to learn from a planet disintegrating because they're like well it just like went in on of itself like all these other planets that went in on itself you know this one's just slightly different mm-hmm. but they're they're there they're ready to see those uh imploding fireworks uh and we watch spock and a lieutenant lieutenant tourmalund Tourmaline. Joe. Tourmaline. Good old Joe. Good old American name Joe. Good old Joe. We see Spock and Joe appear in what looks like the blankets from the crew quarters. Lovely orange suits with like gold detail. They are actually shower curtains. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they're they're yes. like designed to be hazmat suits because they have like the plastic or clear visors mm-hmm. around the head. But yeah, it does look There's like the it, it looks like what Marty McFly is wearing in uh, Back mm-hmm. to the Future when he pretends to be uh, the space alien Darth Vader. Yes, yes, and they they are Art Deco shower curtains. Uh, they appear. Before a spooky figure at a desk and everything is covered with popcorn wall texture. Yes. Or the iciest of ice. The iciest of ice. An exploded Build-A-Bear workshop. Uh, it's, it's really great foam. And you can tell that they just propped um, like a, 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 a suit over a piece of technology and then just spray foamed it all. And they're looking and they see that everything's frozen and then they turn the corner and I got one of my great laughs that I've had from Star Trek when they see what is clearly a mannequin yep. woman that is sitting there, like a store from Macy's mannequin that's lying on the ground. And I'm like, oh, Both my gosh. It's so great. Mannequin. And I'm like, oh, they put this in the background because they, they would only go for it once. No, we get a full on yep. close up of mannequin lady. And I'm like, oh, yep. no, this poor mannequin died for for research. It was so terrible. But my gosh, it uh, it really just reminded me of, OK, yes, the limitations of technology back then. But they, they probably was so dangerous, the material they were mm. using, that they had to be in the suits and use non-live action to be covered in this stuff just because they want to get, uh, you know, sued for that. So, like, the, the tiniest bit of medical knowledge at that point <laughs> to not do it. The funniest uh, or funny story, what it actually is, is lighting filters and the dry powder sprayed from a fire extinguisher. Oh, so they just, so they just fire it up. extinguished yep. the whole fucking thing. They had their lighting filters and that woman was, in fact, permanently damaged by that ice mixture. You are correct. And she was taken by Robert Justman to his office to be displayed there along with other mannequins and then eventually put uh, under a shower so that 
so that unsuspecting people would be spooked. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, I love it. That's yep. the perfect thing to do with a mannequin like that. Yep. Uh, well, and the, the shower that links to it where one of the pers- people that died yes. on the planet was fully showered, or it, fully showered, was in their clothes showering, fully yes. clothed. So we have mannequin woman. She's been strangled. We have spooky figure at the desk, which froze to his desk. Mm-hmm. We have fully clothed person in the shower. They're all dead. Spock's looking around. Tormalin's looking around. Spock's like, all right, we got to get some scientific data. We got to figure out what the fuck is going on here. Um, Spock's going around to check things out. We follow Tormalin, who has clearly gone to the same classes on interstellar safety as the guy from the first episode. Oh, yeah. Who spontaneously ate something and then died, or that was the lie, but... Some people just believed that a Starfleet officer would eat a random thing off a planet without checking uh, because apparently they will just do things like take off their decontamination gloves. Just pop it right on off. Just scratch his nose. Scratch, scratch. Just touched all that white crap. And during that, we see the readiest of liquid being... Uh, filmed in reverse, crawling yes. up a hand. And that's when we know it's an infection episode, it's an baby. Infection. He notices immediately we see him. He's rubbing his hand, looking at it, like, but he can't see anything on it. Shoves his naked hand underneath the decontamination suit. Of course, as one does. As one, As one does. does. To be fair, I one of my first instincts whenever I'm in some sort of like weird group, whatever, is to smell it. Like, so I understood that instinct, but like, <laughs> you know, when it's a bunch of people dead, I'm not gonna be smelling my hands. I want them I would... the farthest away from my face. Oh yeah, that's me noticing. Oh fuck, I took my glove off and forgot to put it back on. Then then it's two. I just touched my face to whatever it is. Which would logically for me lead to three, raising my hand and being like, Mr. Spock, excuse me, I just did a bad thing. <laughs> I just Please did a boo-boo. help me. <laughs> I, I'm going, I could destroy everything. And we know this is possible because Spock states right then and there, whatever happened here is like nothing we've ever seen before. Space! the final frontier before we jump into space i have to point out one thing though which is spock yes. very directly calling out being like you didn't get yourself any infections or take off your suit and risk exposure did you and joe's yeah. like no no i didn't do that at all da, 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 da. Da, 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 it's like joe 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 just tell mr spock you did a bad thing see this is it's one mr. of those spock. things It's one of those things I would find it like, you know, absolutely incredulous that he would do this. But having gone through a pandemic during my lifetime and how people treated it, (laughs) this is like, no, this is one of the most believable things that's happened in this series so far. (laughs) It's like, yeah, no, he would go up and be like, yeah, there's no problem. We can do it. You know, surely it's not that big of a deal. My hand's just a little bit itchy. Like, oh, just like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, so Spock and Tormalin, they get beamed back up to the ship. We see the transporter room used to decontaminate them for the first mm-hmm. and only time. Uh, and that's when we go to 
a captain's log. We learned the whole science party was dead. Life support was shut off, but they still they still gotta watch this planet destroy. They yeah, gotta watch this planet be destroyed. I want to imagine the ice time movie that revolves around this crew, like Sunshine, the Danny Boyle film yes. that watches the crew go crazy slash one by one. I want to see this one where there's like fully clothed shower guy, strangled woman, yes. person who's just sitting at the controls like nothing. Like I want to know how each of them went crazy in their one by one range. But no, we could deal with it afterwards and they're all dead yes. and we're on here. And then Joe starts yeah, acting a little weird. Joe's not doing well. We're in the we're in the med bay. It's no longer that extreme pea green. Now it's more of a nice teal, a nice soft teal uh, med bay. They gave it a um, nice coat of paint between the last episodes. Exactly. We get Spock and Joe in just like black t-shirts mm-hmm. and their black pants. Amazing. They're getting checked out by Dr. McCoy. Uh, and we learn a little bit about Spock's anatomy. Apparently he has an incredibly high heart rate. But no blood pressure, because uh, if you can even call that green stuff blood, yeah. says Dr. McCoy, racist. Um, but apparently this is all normal for Vulcans. Spock's like, great burn. As for my anatomy being different from yours, I am delighted. Oh, burn. Oh, what an absolute slam dunk. Absolutely. And I just love these little bits of like Spock humor because he has tons of shit like this, but he's never going to say it like a joke. Spock is so funny. He's so funny. He is and like he snarky. He's I like Spock because I'm a snarky person too. So yeah. I will just say like things that are you know negging or slightly not insulting but correcting, yeah. and I'll just do it in that way of being like mm, every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> but the difference is I know that I'm doing it because I'm trying to be funny, and Spock is just doing it because he's Spock. Yeah, he's just like fuck you, you racist doctor. <laughs> If you get to be racist, I get to be racist, too. Okay, please, we can't throw the word racism around here and just, like, throwing it for people. It's specious. Let's get it right. You're right. It is specious. <laughs> he's he's specious. <laughs> he's specious, and it's bullshit. Um, but in any case, Joe is not doing well. Joe is scratching Mm-mm. at the hand that got the red goo. He's all like, oh, my God, there were ten dead people down there. There were... Or six dead people. There were dead people down there. Kirk, Kirk, you know, I've been thinking. And Kirk's like, I have heard this from you before, Joe. You don't think we should be in space. Yeah. But you keep enlisting. We don't have a ship's counselor yet. (laughs) That comes in the next series. Yeah, he's just like, I mean, you keep saying this, but yet you keep doing it. But Joe is like... He, he starts quoting poetically and oh, is yeah. like talking about how man, if basically the if man should fly, he'd be given wings. If man yep. was meant to be in space, we, God would have given us life support systems. Yep. And it's like, He's, I mean, he kind of has because you have them. Like, you, yep. have, he did. It's there. You know, if your theist God created this, like, there you go. It's, 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 yep. he did it for you. But he, he basically starts 
losing it. And yeah, he's like holding his hand at lunch and he has like, this, it's like an OCD manic attack. And I kind of oh, like, yeah. I get it, but I also was like, dude, like you need to start to relax and he cannot. He absolutely cannot. We get this great rattlesnake sound oh. as he looks at his hand. Oh, I I was waiting yes. for this to come up because it's my favorite recurring character yes. of this episode. The rattlesnake <laughs> happens every time someone is infected. Every yes. time. And it never gets old. It's perfect. It is so good. But, you know, we have a mystery on our hands. And what do we do when we have a mystery in Star Trek? We go to a conference room. That's of course right. we do. We all sit in our conference room. Spock informs us. It appears the computer room was used as some sort of amusement gallery, which they do not explain. I want to I mean, know what he saw that was like, oh, yes, they were they were clearly playing VR games in here. I, like, is that what all the white stuff was? I want to know more about the Pleasure Planet and the music. Yep. I mean, but to be fair, if the world was ending and you're drunk like me, I'd be yes. playing video games too. Like, that's why I'd be getting oh, yeah. some games in with the bros before everything goes to hell. Oh, yeah. So he says, like, based on what they found, the the science crew seemed drugged, irrational, and that it may be some sort of space madness we haven't heard of. Of course, he doesn't say it like that because he's Spock. But that was the vibe. Oh, yes. And then we get a cut to Joe at yes. lunch, still holding his hand, but he's losing it more and more. More and more. We see in that rec room. Did you notice the two extremely bored looking extras in I, the back? You know, I did. I, I clocked them, but then I was just so taken in by Joe's, um, by Joe's acting that I really yeah. was focused so much on him. He did a great job, but we got some extras playing 3D chess, and that's when Sulu and Lieutenant Riley walk in. They're chatting about sport. They're talking about fencing. What do you do with a fencing sword? General mayhem? Shish kebab? Very funny lines from Riley. Sulu's like, you practice. Mm -hmm. It's a sport, my friend. And he's like, oh, this guy, he wanted me to be into botany last week. They're sitting with Joe. And they're like, hey, Joe, like, how are you, friend? Let's sit with our friend Joe, who just saw something really traumatic and be kind to him because we are kind people. And Joe is like, back the fuck off. Fuck off. You don't outrank me. Yeah, you he, don't get to tell me what to he do. He literally is like instantly hostile toward them. There's no sort of build up to it. He is not good. And so not good, he starts threatening himself like yes. within moments of them arriving. Yeah, he becomes they're called to the bridge and they don't want to leave cuz they're like our friend is not doing okay. Uh, like, Joe, are you okay? He's full antinatalist. He's like, man should not be in space. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? We're leaving people to die. We are polluting space. Oh, we yeah. We are a virus. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. This is some deep, like, monologuing from a nihilist right there that's right. in the middle of this sci-fi, like, episode about someone getting an infection. I, I, I to be fair, I, at this moment, I really didn't know where this was going to go. So I was mm-hmm. wondering if this is sort of like nihilism virus that infects yeah. everyone and makes them despondent. But no, it just 
the alcoholism effect inebriated just triggered his depression to so much that he takes a knife and he like a butter knife a butter knife and he's going to stab himself and Sulu and Riley try and jump on him but then he falls on the knife he falls on the knife in the struggle he's holding a knife he's brandishing a knife at them and then at himself both Sulu and Riley jump on him and no one in that room we do get a cut to the board extras no one is like maybe we should call for security no like no no one no one they fight joe gets stabbed by himself with this butter knife and riley is the one who has to like stumble up and hit the thing like hey security someone's been stabbed but first my hand looks kind of strange rattlesnake we know that riley is soon gonna get infected with the madness the madness. So we're back on the bridge. Sulu and Riley, they've changed into clean shirts. Uh, and we're all checking out this planet as it condenses, but Riley cannot pay attention. He is rubbing his hands. He's looking at his hands. Uh, he's sort of freaking out. Spock and Kirk are trying to figure out what the fuck happened to Joe. Mm -hmm. They're looking at his psychological profile and they're like, well, he looked hella normal, but did have a really high capacity for self-doubt. And I'm like, bitch, me too. (laughs) That was where you related to it. (laughs) I was like, oh, that would be me. And his self-doubt manifests to the point where... McCoy does surgery on him yes. and it's successful and his yes. vitals are perfect and he wills himself to death because yep. there is no reason he should be dying and he does. He just yep. is out, gone, Dunzo. Joe is gone. Joe no more. Joe no more. No amount of red lights that McCoy can flash at a blanket covering this guy's in insides. No futuristic salt him. shaker can get the readings for no, for this amount, yeah, of sadness within him. It's <laughs> it's gone. And they then they are they're back on the profiling bridge. it. Yeah, yeah, they're profiling. They're like, fuck, he's dead. Like. He's the kind of guy who's a fighter. It's sort of implied that, like, Kirk, that's why he thinks he keeps signing up. Even though he has these doubts, he was a person with a, you know, who wouldn't just die. Like, if he had any of that in him to any significant degree, he would not have signed up. It's like the the part of the mystery where they're like, well, he never would kill himself. He wasn't the type. Uh, There must be something else going on. And as we know, there is. And it's starting to affect other people, including Sulu. Riley and Sulu. Sulu's reaction is my favorite. And this is the moment I will say I realized I had seen parts of this episode before. I was at a friend's place and I saw at least from... When Sulu pops out with his rapier. Oh Aha. my god. But first Hot. we have a little bit of playing hooky. Well, first off, they are careening towards this planet. Kirk is like, hey, compensate for the careening. Excuse me, Helm. Compensate for the careening. Riley. Yes. Riley's just looking at his fucking hands. Kirk has to get up and flip the switch himself. And Riley's like, oh, I guess... I'm a little nervous. Completely spaced out. Completely spaced out. And Sulu just sort of like leans in 
to Riley and he's like, hey, Riley, my, oh my lad. God. Oh, my God. Let's oh my go God. to the gym. Yes. Right fucking now. Let's just Sula. go mm, to the do gym. Do you want to go to the gym? Oh, my. Mm. Riley, my lad. My lad. And yeah. he fucking sneaks off. Yeah. He just leaves when no one is looking. And Riley's like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, Riley but stays clearly, behind. Yeah, Riley stays behind. Sulu is gone. Um... We need everything checked out. Kirk is very concerned about Joe. He's like, you need to check out not only what's possible, but the impossible as well. Just lovely, lovely little Star Trek line. Um, and that's when Spock back on the bridge is like, huh, where's Sulu? Where is Sulu? Why is he not Wait, on his post? Where's Sulu? Aha! Not to fear, O'Reilly's here, and one Irishman is worth. He does not get to finish because Spock does not fuck around. Spock is immediately like, go to Med Bay right now. You are relieved of your duties. Riley does not put on any kind of accent. Can I just say he's talking about being an Irishman over and over again? Bec- well, and Irish it's just heritage. Super it's like yes, it's because yes. it's like Americans on St. Patrick's Day who talk about how Irish they are yep. just so they can go and get drunk on it. Where I'm sure it's just him talking about his heritage and all of that yeah. in there and and speaking through the swartiness of what his relatives might have said about it. But you're right. It yeah. just was so out of the blue where I'm like, "Oh, okay. This is making people just I, I forgot when or I realized when we see Sulu momentarily jumping out, I'm like, oh, that's right. Everyone just starts acting like they're drunk. And so he just yep. starts bragging about his heritage for no goddamn reason. And it doesn't impress anyone. Like you no, said, it gets no. in the sick bay. Yeah. So he wanders drunkenly through the halls. He makes it to sick bay. And well, and when he's sent off, uh, uh, Spock does lead in to say, um, make sure he gets there. Can we get a report when he gets there? I want to know that he arrives because he's already sus. He's 100% like, I'm not sure what's going on here. He's like, something sus as fuck is happening. I am Spock and I don't fuck around. Uh, so we, he makes it. He makes it to sick bay. He sees Nurse Chapel. He touches her face and he's like, oh, you have such lovely lo- eyes, pretty lady. And what a flirt. What a flirt. But that flirt has a rattlesnake with it. That it does. And he goes, you know what Joe's mistake was? And Chapel's like, I'm so sorry <laughs> that your friend died. Um, and he's like, his mistake was that he wasn't born an Irishman. He Turns around Irish. and walks out. It's but, so funny that they lean so, into that so hard. Like, that's what he does when he gets, like, drunk. It's just like, oh, I love I'm it. I'm Irish. I love that I nationalism trail. still exists in the future. What? But we hear that rattle as Nurse Chapel looks at her hand. And, and we have to also just make sure to emphasize, they're looking at their hands, but there's no effects on it. There's no diet. No. They are just looking at their bare-ass yep. hands. Bare-ass hands, just rubbing them, just like, huh. And now now is the best moment of this episode. And perhaps all of Star Trek. We're back in the hall. And Sulu, shirtless, yes. leaps from the door. Ha-ha! Brandishing a foil. Uh, it's not it's not a saber or an epee. Actually, fenced in high school. Ooh. 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 
I was very bad at it. But so he's brandishing a fucking sword going through the halls. He does a moment where he sort of manically like touches the end of it to like see if it's sharp and is like, oh, oh, no, it is sharp. It doesn't matter. He's still shirtless, running through the halls, sees some dudes in the halls, and is like, Avast! Starts quoting Let's the fight. three musketeers and is thinking himself one of them, asking where Cardinal Rishu is. I was relishing it up. Yes. He also, uh, you know, there is so much sexualization within this mm-hmm. history, and there is so much objectification that happens in the history of Star Trek behind the scenes, but I have to just talk about Sulu being a goddamn snack. Holy shit. George Takei looks amazing. And Uh, especially like in that outfit and just running around sweaty, like, oh my God, it was delight, delight, delightful. So some great facts about this scene. Um, (laughs) The first one, uh, John F. Black Uh, who wrote the episode, came up with Sulu's berserk scenes without specifying the weapon to be used. He showed up on set a month before this was to be shot and was like, hey, Sulu, I was thinking that, like, you know, you would run around with a samurai sword. What do you think? And Sulu's like, maybe we don't do the racist thing. (laughs) Maybe we don't do the the root one one. Is there a root two, three, or seven that we could do instead? Like, maybe, like, I, Sulu, who grew up in fucking California, used to play Robin Hood. Like, kids who grew up in fucking California. And he goes, oh, can you fence? Sulu's like, of course I can fence. He immediately enrolled in classes to learn fencing. So he spent the next three weeks frantically learning fencing because he wanted to so bad and doing tons and tons of push-ups so that he would look nice without a shirt. Um, So in fact, he says he would have hoped that by the 23rd century, humanity would have developed to a point where in terms of culture, people would have moved beyond simply adhering to the ways of their ethnic background, which is just such a great middle finger from Sulu. And like, I've heard a lot of this dude on Howard Stern, um, which I think is a diagnosable mental illness, just like listening to too much Howard Stern. But it's very fun hearing how much of a fuck you that line is from oh, yeah. George Takei. It's like he clearly couldn't say fuck those guys, but that is 100% what he was thinking. I also love that this is such an antithesis to the leaning into the Irish man, I'm so Irish yes. thing. Like the fact that we do get that uh yep. that comparison on there. Like he's George Takei is just such a strong individual in terms of his presence for rights as well. But that's one of the things that I love about, we'll find out in the history that I know about it, is him and uh, Nichelle Nichols um, pushing back on a lot of the things that could have been stereotypes because they recognized the position that they were in. Absolutely. And George Takei, this was one of the reasons this script, he got a chance to read it. You know, that like sort of month before it was shot. And that was when he decided, like, I really want to be on this show. I want this role. This is juicy as fuck. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to get to run around. I'm not just sitting at the helm saying like, yes, Captain. No, Captain. I'm running around with a fucking sword and this is going to be awesome. And it changed the fucking world, I think. Um, So we're on the bridge. Uh, we're, We're on the bridge. 
and we're getting a report that Sula's chasing people with a sword. I, yeah, is... it, it's been very quickly reported, like, hey, yeah. um... <laughs> like, like, Sulu just chased us with a sword and then screamed cowards at us when we ran away. Uh, Spock is putting two and two together. He's like, okay, Riley, he's acting crazy. He's acting like he he fancies himself a descendant of Irish kings. Sulu, who is a swashbuckler at heart. Okay, Spock, that's a fun read. Um... A swashbuckler out of your 18th century. They're acting as though they're drugged, drunk. <gasps> and of course, Kirk is hella concerned because we are in a very unstable place. There is a planet being destroyed below us. The crew needs to be on their shit. And now they're chasing people with swords. And basically the moment he starts talking about that, that is when people abandon their posts and the ship's orbit destabilizes and they are starting to quickly fall into the gravitational pull of the imploding planet. But we don't have time for that because shirtless Sulu is bursting onto the bridge with his sword. He's found Cardinal Rishu. Ha ha. He has his sword out. Kirk's just like, Sulu, put that away. He reaches out his finger to be like, give me that. Touches the tip of the sword and does a great like comedy, like double take mm -hmm. of like, ah, oh, Sulu, put that the fuck down. Apparently in the scuffle of this scene, uh, he, Sulu, George Takei gave Shatner a scar above his eye. Oh no. <laughs> and that's when it began. That's when that it all when began. began. Um, he deserved it. Fuck Shatner. But <laughs> Uhura tries to get the sword. She's like, hey, Sulu, hey, just why don't you just give me that? He grabs her and he's all like, I will protect you, fair maiden. And we get a great comedy of her going, uh, excuse me, neither. I am neither fair nor a maiden. I loved that line. Loved it that line. It was a great line. getting past the censors so of like, Bitch, I am black and I fuck. Uh, <laughs> just fantastic. Um, but thankfully, Spock nerve pinches him. The first nerve pinch the we've first seen. Vulcan nerve pinch, which was invented by uh, Spock. They needed something to do. This this episode was shot like a month before it aired. Oh, which wow. is kind of true of many of these episodes. Um, of the first season because Hollywood, you know? Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of Spock inventing things um, or uh, Leonard Nimoy inventing things. Um, we get Spock's nerve pinch. He has a great line. Take D'Artagnan to sick bay. <laughs> yes. Amazing. It, you know what? But at least Spock is indulging in the fantasy. He's letting yes. uh, Sulu live his delusion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Spock's an ally, really, for mental health he and is. et cetera. He kind of is, though. Like, that's the thing, is that, like, Leonard Nimoy and Mr. Spock, the biggest mensch in all of Star Trek. Um, Kirk tries to call Scotty, because he's like, Scotty, everyone's going fucking crazy. But who responds? It's Riley! He's oh. taken over the engine room. He's declared himself captain. He's 
announcing that everyone gets double portions of ice cream tonight. It is the, he is basically demanding the fantasies of every 1950s child. And it was delightful. Some of the other things he demands is bowling night, which I think is a little bit later. A formal ball yes. in the bowling alley tonight. Mm. <laughs> he He's singing songs that are implied to be old Irish songs, but he's singing them in his very strong, like, American accent. And we thankfully don't hear too much of any of that. Although, uh, to be fair, at a certain point, he says, I'm going to sing the song again. And, and, yes. and Kirk is basically acting like he's a prisoner in Guantanamo Bay that has been forced to listen yes. to music. Over and over and over. He's like, I, gosh, no, not again. Fucking again. Great comedy moments. Um, We have, he's in this engineering room, this big, like, space with all these colorful buttons and moving lights on the walls. All of the moving lights that we see on the walls in sickbay and in this uh, engineering room are just crew people holding fucking lights. Oh, that's so and interesting. Moving them around. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's great. It's also in any of the close-ups. There's just fuckers right off the like Hollywooding it to the max. Amazing. Um meanwhile on the bridge, Spock is getting word that people are fighting all over the ship. And he's like just close down levels of the lockdown. We, we need to do it, but it's all over. It's spread everywhere. We have to create an alert. We need to tell people this is happening, but they can't do it because Riley has taken over all the channels and he's singing. He says, Uhura, Uhura, you've interrupted my song. So no ice cream for you tonight. There will be a formal dance in the Bowling alley. <laughs> the whole ship is literally rocking. Uh, someone should come a knocking. Oh, yes. Because they are being thrown around. Uh, McCoy calls up. He's like, keep this ship steady. I have Sulu down here and I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, Riley decides to be a teenage boy now he's like being a weird sexist he's like "Mm, in the future all female crew members should wear their hair loosely about their shoulders and also have their makeup yes the next thing about their makeup i could not believe it he was such a little bitch and we like see uhura when he's like saying this and i i can just tell like she has this look in her eye that's just like fuck you my makeup is amazing because her makeup is amazing. She has this iconic cat eyes every single time. And I, she was the reason why I always wanted to get good at wearing cat eye eyeliner. And I think that the modern trend is directly related to her. So fuck you, Riley. Oh, my word. I love it. I love all of that. And it's one of those things, too, where there's a moment where Spock gets really mad at her and then realizes it's not her fault and apologizes to her for getting mad. Like, it was actually a really nice, oh, sweet Kirk. little moment. Yeah, Kirk, yeah. It was. They both start sort of losing it, and they actually apologize to each other. He's like, Uhura, turn this off. And she's like, "If don't you think if I could turn it off, I would? And then says, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying, Captain. And he's like, I'm sorry. Like, thank you so much for continuing to try. 
what a what a nice moment. Respectful co-workers. It really was. It, and again, it shows the relationship that these main crew have yeah. with each other and the respect that they have. Now, mm-hmm. Scotty. Oh, we get some Scotty moments coming up because he manages oh, yes. to he, he manages to <laughs> regain control of it, but also is like, but I can't get things started. I'm going to need like 30 minutes. And Kirk is like, no, we need eight minutes. And it leads to the great quote, the one that's very often quoted, which is, Mm -hmm. I cannot change the laws of physics, Captain. I I need 30 minutes. Laws of physics. I need 30 minutes to turn on these engines. Um, we're, We're careening into the planet. At this point, we have 16 minutes left. And Kirk is like, Spock, go to the engine room. See how Scotty's doing. Get Riley. Like, Let's help me out here. Um, Spock walks out of a walks out of an elevator to see a crewman laughing at a paintbrush with red on it. And he's like, you report to the lab. He's just pointing at fuckers at this point. Like you to the lab, you to the lab, you to the lab. It is the the uh, uh, the the inmates are running the asylum at this yes. point. Yes, there's written on the wall in red, love all mankind, adorable. Uh, We see a dude singing at poor Yeoman Rand. Janice Rand is like, Spock, I'm trying to get to the bridge. And this guy is just standing in front of me singing and I cannot get past him. And Spock is like, crewman, get the fuck to the lab. And he like kind of backs off for a second. But Spock has somewhere to be. So he keeps going. Rand gets like two more steps and this guy turns right back around. Oh yeah, he's singing to her again. It's amazing because it is what things he does. He gives the slightest of beat and then it's a pure comedy moment where then da da he's gone and la 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 and she's just like Spock. But Spock is Help going me. on when Nurse Chapel pops out and Nurse oh. Chapel all gives like the most heartfelt confession of love like really amazing acting of it and spock is basically like i she, well because she like goes right she's like the, adoring her own reflection as he comes yes. in and she and says is like rubbing herself she says like i'm appealing to spock the human like knows about yeah. the human half and it's basically like i'm attracted to the human part of spock and and the vulcan part of spock and dear, i know how yeah. you vulcans treat your women you wouldn't hurt me, would you? How the fuck are Vulcans treating their women I, as of this episode? You know, it just is wild. Well, you know, he doesn't harass her. and Nope. And in the turndown, he even has to ask what her name is. And so we realize they don't even have a She's connection. She's like, Tell me Chris, call me Christine. It's so hard. Like, oh. Yeah. She's like, I love you. I love all. All of you. Spock, I know how you hide your feelings, but I know that you have them. Spock is starting to lose it. They've been touching. And we had the rattlesnake. We get a great Spock. I am in control of my emotions. She's like, I don't believe it, even if the others do. And he's like, I'm sorry. He gets called to the bridge and he's like, Christine, like, I'm, I'm sorry. And it really is like heartfelt, um, which kind of shows there is a lot of softness in Spock. He doesn't have a, he does not show emotions, but he does have compassion. And we see his compassion a lot throughout the series. But right now, Spock, 
Like many of us, he just needs to book a conference room so that he can cry by himself for five minutes. Oh, he... Leonard Nimoy gives an amazing cry acting performance in here. So... Like, devastating. Yes. But before this, he's walking... He's almost crying. He's walking through the hall. Kirk is trying to get to Riley... Uh, they get they finally get in the fucking engine room where Riley is. He turns Riley around in the chair, and Riley's only response is, "Oh no, dance tonight." Yeah, such a gets carried away. Such a turd. <laughs> such a little child. Back to Spock. He is in a conference room. He has closed the door. He needs some privacy. He is saying, I am in control of my emotions. Sobbing, I am in control. My, I'm an officer. My duty is my mother. He's doing math problems to try and regain his composure. It, um, it, that yeah. scene hit me because it reminds me of when I have panic attacks, even down to like yes. the little like simpering crying. And like, no, there's no better yeah. way of describing it. But yeah, it really... Yeah really hit me hard so after this scene where spock is crying which we're gonna see more of leonard nimoy's fan mail increased exponentially obviously viewers were enthralled with spock being a secret reservoir of love and passion uh and that inspired all of the future scripts where we get to explore spock that reaction they're like oh we gotta explore this good call Furthermore, that wasn't even written to happen in that episode. Originally, he was supposed to start to break down in tears in the hallway. And that crewman with the fucking paintbrush was supposed to paint a mustache on him. Oh, see, and oh, that's, that's interesting. Scene. But Nimoy was like, I feel like we can get deeper with this. Um, and Mark Daniels, like, or organized a shot they only had time for one take and Leonard Nimoy improvised all of that that's great that is uh, yeah that's I could tell that was Nimoy's presence and definitely was driven by him and that's interesting that it literally was driven by him to have that happen and you're right because it would have undercut it and I know that obviously was what the script was trying to do with it but to actually have that moment where it allows it to go it, it, it really, gosh, it because re- a lot of the rest of the episode was already mm-hmm. silly as is. This gave that a moment to to kind of hit it where it was on there. I loved it. Yeah, and it and it really fits together in a balance with the episode because the first person we see infected with this fucking kills himself with a butter knife, like after like going completely nihilistic. Everyone else seems to be just drunken having fun, so it's sort of like. This has to affect everyone a little differently. Yeah, right? I, I'm very curious what the uh, what the uh, the death log would have been at the end of this episode, and if there were more people that uh, ended up getting hurt or maimed because of this. But you're right; we don't actually see that at all within the no. the context of what is on screen. Not at all. Our death toll, as of what we see on screen, is one. Is uh, Joe, our our dear Joe, um, but we're in the engine room. Kirk's trying to fix the engines, but Riley turned the damn things off. He turned the goddamn engines off. We need 30 minutes to make them start. Scotty cannot change the laws of physics, Captain. Cannot change it. But Kirk has an idea. 
He's like, what if we do a controlled implosion with matter and antimatter? Uh, all we need for this is Spock. Scotty's like, this is the most dangerous thing ever. Kirk's like, well, if we don't do it, we're going to careen into a planet. So we need Spock to make a formula so that we can do the controlled implosion of the matter-antimatter engines. It's science babble. Beautiful science babble. He calls for Spock. Spock's not on the bridge. Cut to Sulu screaming. He screams for a minute. He's in the med bay. And then he's like, wait, what am I doing here? He Why am I sure comes out of the fog and he says, last Why thing I, I remember, sword? last thing I remember, I was on the, the bridge. Bridge. I was doing my fucking job. McCoy has McCoy. developed a serum. He's figured it out. He hits the computer. He is trying to tell all of this to someone who's just laughing at him. He goes, it's water. Somehow it changed into a complex chain of molecules and once in the bloodstream it acts like alcohol start preparing more before he sits down at the desk he has to physically like move chapel from the computer it's so everyone funny. is falling apart it's, it's it's so great like the number the people who are still like even because there's a point too where i can't remember what it is but um uh yeoman janice runs in and she goes and like saves the day by taking the helm and i'm like oh wow she yes. has to get helm because uh because kirk yeah. has to jump off because he's trying to control one of the other commanders that's starting to mm-hmm. lose it like it's it's just everyone running around pure chaos yep Oh, when Uhura takes the bridge, way back at the beginning, a great moment when uh, when Riley first starts ask, acting strange and Spock's like, hey, get your ass to sickbay. Uhura, please take the helm because obviously probably everyone on that bridge, I would imagine, can do each other's jobs, just not with that level of expertise because... You, you have, have to be able to fill like in, it. yeah. In, Everyone in has to be able to fill in. You know, if something's really complicated, you probably want that person. But regardless, um, and Riley goes, that's right. Let the women work. So, uh. Universal suffrage. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, it's the 23rd century, my dude. Again, we will be saying it's the 23rd century, my dude, to a lot of dudes through. <laughs> yep. like 400 years at that point that there have hopefully that women's suffrage universal suffrage has been maintained clearly we still have a fucking gender binary was just bullshit but regardless now including the effects when we talk about the running around there's one person who's not immune to it in the end and does get it and the last one to get infected is kirk himself Kirk himself, he goes into a conference room to find Spock, and boy, does he find him crying, sobbing, sobbing about his mother, how he never told his mother that he loved her, an Earth woman on a planet where emotions are bad taste, Um, how he was ashamed of his Earth blood, how when he feels friendship for Kirk, he feels ashamed. It's radical. Wow. Radical. And to me, again, yeah. I related a lot of this because of my own deep yes. programming I had to do from yes. the push your emotions away, your emotions mm-hmm. are like deceiving you kind of stuff, where once I learned to sort of accept that and 
let that in there, I realized, yeah, actually how much of an emotionally intelligent being that I was, but all of it mm-hmm. was just pushed away. Exactly. And just the reason, oh my God, Spock is just a wellspring, an incredible character, but he feels ashamed. Kirk is trying to snap him out of this by smacking him in the face. He's smacking Spock back and forth. Spock is not reacting because, you know, how hard could Kirk possibly slap? Again, I Um, love the amount of slapping that happens in Star Trek. And I just have to describe the sequence because it's one of my favorite things, which is he slaps Spock back and forth with his hand. And then someone on the intercom talks to him and he slaps the intercom with his other hand. It's one of my favorite (laughs) moments. Uh, I just, the fact that, I remember in my friend's place seeing this and laughing so hard at, at Kirk just smacking the intercom. And I'm like, wait, did he just really do that? Like, yeah, nope, he hit it. I'm like, oh, my God. And that's when Kirk realizes he's it's hitting him and it's affecting him, he's too. He's infected. But before that, Spock smacks back. Oh, yes, that he is true. He gives him one slap and Kirk flips over the fucking table. He is pushed to the ground. This is how we realize in the very first episode, the man trap, where Spock is slapping the salt creature Mm -hmm. in the form of a woman and saying like, could a woman stand up to this? It's because Spock is so strong that with one backhand, he can send a fully grown Kirk fucking flying there's blood coming out of his fucking mouth the green blood is hulk blood it's hulk blood it's absolutely hulk blood kirk's like i have the disease you gotta help me because you're the only one who can figure out this formula but kirk's overtaken immediately he's just like love you're better off without love this ship who I love like a woman. Uh, <laughs> yes. Which is just a great Futurama line. And it's it's all right here. He is treating it as a jilted lover. And it's so yep. funny that that's I his. I give and she takes. I have this gorgeous yeoman. A captain's not permitted to notice. But you've noticed, haven't you, Spock? Because mm-hmm. you're allowed to. And it's like no one has noticed anyone's attractiveness least like less than Spock. Like Spock is never going to notice anyone's attractiveness. Oh, Are yeah. you fucking kidding never, me? Never ever. Kirk. Um but he's like, "Oh." And Spock, I think it's his compassion for Kirk losing it and seeing his friend losing it. And because he now has access to more of his emotions, he's able to pull himself together. Yes. And he heads out to do exactly what he has asked. He has a formula to fix the engines. Kirksall, I just want a woman in a beach to walk on. (laughs) I I just want to settle down. But he's got to get to the bridge. He has to get to the bridge so that he can hit the right button so that they can get out of this. And he decides, I'll never lose you, ship, who I love like a woman. He he complains about, it's like a married man who's like, oh, I wish I could go have affairs, but I'm married to the ship. And he's like, and I love you. Oh, yes, you, you end up treating me right because you're always there. And the most amazing thing, when he goes to the bridge and they have the serum there, he walks in po-faced. They stab him with it. He doesn't react and he walks Rip right on by. his fucking shirt in so order to hypo-needle him. 
amazing. Those shirts are like paper. The way that McCoy rips his shirt. He just like touches it. Um, but he's like, all right, like clear, clear the hallway, clear the lift. I need to get to the fucking bridge and I don't need any drunk ass crew members fucking with me. He gets there. On the inside of the elevator, Sinner repents. Oh, yes. Painted in red. Fucking wild. It's like love mankind. Sinner repent. Like shit is about to go really bad. I feel like if they hadn't found the cure. Uh, But everyone's super concerned if they're going to die. But Kirk, he's got his eyes on the prize. Spock's got his eyes on the prize. He goes, you know, hit the button, pick a direction. I don't know. Back the way we came. Kirk looks over at Rand. Janice is standing there and he he almost reaches out to her. We get an eye of God Mm -hmm. filter on him where there's just like one light on his face. That longing. No beach to walk on. And she's all like, sir, like, ex- <laughs> like, did you say something? Cause like, we're all about to die. Like, did you have an order for me related to the fact that we're all about to fucking die? And he's like, nothing. No. They engage the engines and. They make it out. It works. Hooray. Hooray. A giant noise goes off and everyone's like, oh, this noise is hurting us so yeah. much. Ree. Ree. We see this wonderful, like, uh, shot of concentrated stars in the center and then moving stars around mm-hmm. it uh, to represent how fast they're moving. All the lights on the bridge turn back on and they're like, the velocity and engine power is off the scale. We're going faster than we could in normal space. We're traveling at yeah. impossible speed. We're traveling back in time. And we see that by a measure of time ellipse that just starts going backwards. like. And it's one of those great like flip clocks. Yeah, like, like an odometer like one. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> like pieces of paper showing the numbers. And they're, they're going back in time. Kirk's like, what has this time warp done to us? We've gone back three days. We have three days to live over again. And Kirk's like, not those last three days. <laughs> but Kirk's response is, we may risk it someday, Mr. Spock. We may risk it again someday. Now that we just have unlimited time travel, uh, we may risk it someday. And that someday, and- I'm sure, is what they used to clip it so it wasn't an exact yes. two-parter. Yes. That is what I think. Uh, and then, do 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 The end of the Warp episode. One. What a great to our episode! Next and again, top of the stack. Direction. Don't even need to go into that further. Just amazing. What a what a beautiful episode. What a beautiful episode. I have I have two more fun facts. Dish them. And then I want to hear. So first off, footage from this episode appears in the 2014 film. X-Men, Days of Future Past. Oh. In what context, do you know? I have no idea, as I have not seen that movie. (laughs) I have. I'll have to to look up where. uh, The second thing is that about this complex chain of water molecules, in the late 60s, researchers looked for forms of polymerized water, 
by distilling and redistilling massive quantities of pure water and ended up with a small amount of highly viscous water with particular traits. For a few years, poly water was feared as a global threat, and Kurt Vonnegut wrote a book <gasps> featuring yes! poly water. Uh, Cat's, Cat's cradle. cradle. It turns out that this water was actually just water contaminated with thousands of fingerprints from all of the glassware. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So much like, you know, the way that the drunkenness affected all the people in this episode, uh, there was never any threat. The only real threat was the fact that we were careening into a planet, which is being destroyed uh, or is is destroying itself naturally yeah. as this planet is. I found more details on Star Trek and the Naked Time Ooh. in Days of Future Past. Uh, it is a yes. scene where Hank McCoy, played by uh, my, one of my number one crushes, Nicholas Holt, oh. uh, is watching it in his workshop. And the connection is that Days of Future Past also has time travel. So the fact that the Naked Time ends with uh, time traveling is the, uh, this is, is the illusion that they were going for in that. Yes. Captain Missy. Okay. I have a question for you. Here we go. You're on the ship. Yes. You're sitting in your uh, your captain's chair, mm -hmm. and two of your helmsmen okay. have just wandered off. One comes back in with a sword. Yes. Shirtless. Yes. It is attacking the crew. Captain Missy, what do you do? I, of course, pick up my weapon of choice yes. which which is which would be um stuffed animals and so i would Ooh. take a bunch of stuffed animals and i would use them as like mm. ways to dip like for the tip to like make sure mm -hmm. that they keep them from going through because if you get one or two stuffed animals layered in there yep. like that's just gonna like absolutely go through then you can start beating them with it because those things can yeah. whack a punch like yeah so it would be one of those things where i would just throw collectibles at him and get him Shish to go kebab down. That yes, fuck. exactly. But then um, I'm going to ask and answer a question myself Ooh. to you as well, which is what would happen if you got infected with the sickness and oh. what would your tendencies be? And mine would be I would probably like make a bunch of jokes and try and not be horny on Maine, but absolutely be horny on Maine. And that would be the thing for me is that eventually toward the end of the sickness, I would just be like, you know, in the May bit, May Bay being like, hey, so we got some time. What's you doing? What's going on? Let's have some Ugh. And then back to normal. Like, oh, sorry. Um, you know, ignore I said, unless, you know, you still want to hang out. Uh, you know, we could totally do that. Never mind. Bye. <laughs> um, I'm guessing for myself. Uh, full existential breakdown. Oh, there we go. I am much more on the Riley side of things, just full of self-doubt. I'd be sitting there going, what is identity? What is a human? Why are we in space? Am I doing the right thing? Is this what's right for humanity? Is this what humans should be doing? Is the way in which we're relating each to each other correct? Note to self, um, when we do yeah. shots, I will take away all the butter knives. Yes. <laughs> I would much more likely be, yeah, like crying and freaking out 
but also eating. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you would be yeah. you would be ordering triple ice cream night. Oh yeah, triple ice cream night. Sobbing. Likely low chaos. I'm a little more low chaos. If we, if this was college, Emily, it would be high chaos. Oh, there it is. Yes, uh. but now a little bit, a <laughs> little bit, but better medicated. Uh, not quite as high. <laughs> Precisely. Emily, where does this episode rank for you? I know you said a lot of the fans uh, it was a favorite, but is uh, is this one of yours as well? This is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, anytime we get to see the interiority of Spock, it's going to rank real high for me. Yeah. And of the three other episodes that we have seen, Charlie X, um, the, 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 the man, man trap, trap, and where no man has gone before. I'm going to rank this high. I'm going to rank this number one. Yay. We are in sync at this. Our plan, our plans have uh, coordinated onto here and we are on the same, uh, same wavelength. Yes. yes. Uh, so Missy, I am just so very excited uh, for next week. Ooh. When we watch. Uh... The Enemy Within. The Enemy Within. The Enemy Within is also one of those iconic episodes Ooh, of Star back Trek. back to back. Yes. This episode and uh, The Enemy Within both get sort of rehashed and re-looked at in future series of Star Trek. Okay. The Next Generation, etc. Um, and it's, it's a really fun one. It's a very... Uh, it, yeah, it's very iconic. I'm really, really excited. Good to see what and you think about and it. vague detailing. I don't want to know more. I'm gonna be able to see all this within. Um, okay, if I got a guess from the title, the enemy within, yes. it's gonna be. Well, it's gonna be within someone, so it's gonna be someone fighting themselves. So I wonder mm-hmm. if it's gonna be, like inner demon stuff or like split personality or like this where it's like there's a psychic entity inside of someone or you know like a, a real per like you know and who who's who's within that's that's who's the enemy i'm really curious about that but yeah i'm i'm excited it could be anything it could be anything because that's that's the thing we know about space there are infinite unknowns as mr spock states um but I'm so excited to go on that journey with you, Emily. Missy. Emily, thank you again for being oh. my navigator on this bridge of this this journey. It is always wonderful. I am, I am just honored to be the Sulu to your Kirk. Uh, shirtless, swashbuckling. Shirtless, swashbuckling, fencing through the halls. To be perfectly honest. I have been known to do exactly that, i.e. run around with a sword at a party. Butter knives? No. Rapiers? Swords? Yes. 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 Um, So I suppose my answer would have to be, I would probably be running around with a sword. Unlikely to be shirtless. uh, Probably just in a a sports bra. That's kind of more my deal. Uh, You know... We gotta protect titties from swords, but beyond that. And you know what? That's what we can end this episode on. Remember, yeah. this is our life lesson from this episode: always yes. protect your titties from swords. 
always protect, protect your titties, your titties from, swords. from swords. Always. And live long and prosper. Goodbye. Yay! Yay! I love it. I love it. I love it.